Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett and this is the BT Sport MotoGP podcast where today I'm joined by Julian Ryder and Keith Ewan here at Valencia ahead of the final round of the season. And what a season it has been. 18 rounds uh, will be done by the end of this week. And we've had nine different winners in 2016 after Andre Vizioso, of course, won last time out. It was a very popular win. Could there be a 10th this weekend? That remains to be seen. Uh, but just to talk about Andre Vizioso, first of all, it was a long time coming since 2009, uh, the British Grand Prix, wasn't it? You said it all, really, haven't you? Just yeah. there. <laughs> Not much else we can add to that. Yes. I mean, a, a disaster, of course, for Davizioso, particularly this year with Ianone winning the first one of the year on the GP16. So you would think he was under a tremendous amount of pressure to finally get that job done. And doesn't it seem to you, Jules, that a weight has been lifted off his shoulders? He seems a different man now. Definitely. Even though he denies it and doesn't show that sort of thing, he's a very controlled specimen, isn't he? But you're right. But you, you think how different things were at the start of the year. If it weren't for band luck, he'd have had none. If he hadn't been knocked off by his mm. teammate in Argentina, he would have gone to Texas, one point behind Mark Marquez in the championship. And of course he got there and was knocked off by the steadiest bloke in the place, Danny Pedrosa. Why have we had so many different race winners in 2016? Ah, that's what new tyres, new electronics do for you. I'll tell you what, that's been the, the crux of this entire year has been all that new technology. Who got up to speed quickest on it? Who adapted to it rider-wise, team-wise? It's just been a fantastic year. And every time they thought they got a handle on a Michelin tyre, they threw another Michelin mm. tyre at it, a different construction, different type of tyre. So all the time they were catching up. The electronics not quite as sophisticated as they were before, so that was a, a lump to get over as well. A fantastic year. And you're right, what you said earlier on, what's against seeing a 10th winner here? Valencia's a tricky track. Yeah, very much so. Someone like Alicia Spargaro. My money was on him. Yeah. Who, uh, who was the out. obvious bet for the 10th, I would suggest. Yeah. yeah, he's the last, I suppose, factory, factory rider, rider not, to have, uh, not to have got one. It's not a, you know, that, that's not rocket science. But the point is, it's actually conceivable. Yeah. And you don't know going into a weekend. We, we come here, we sit here, we're in the, the booth before the start of the weekend. Could you say who's going to win? On Not Sunday, do you have no, a no. clue? With the temperatures a little bit cool, possibly mixed conditions. Only at a couple of places. Aragon, Mark Marquez. Saxon Ring, Mark Marquez. Yeah, at Silverstone, having seen Vinales on Saturday night, mm. I'd have put the mortgage on him winning. I've never seen a man 
saying nothing but exuding more confidence in my life. I'm pleased you stuck there with my theory of uh, the fact is that once you've won the World Championship or won a championship, whichever championship it is, people always say, well, you can let your hair down now and let it all go, can't you? And straight away, you start doing what he's done. Two times out, two times crashes. And if ever there was a track that you can crash on easily, it's here. Absolutely. I've just been to Michelin's end of season briefing, by the way. We should give them some kudos, as you said, because they have bought a real wide spectrum of tyres to every race and you're right they've moved quickly because they've had problems and when they've had problems Keith they've responded with amazing speed and it's like there's something for everyone that's what I was trying to say Mm. and they're not taking their foot off the gas you wouldn't have noticed this but Matt Burt thought I'd got lost because I was at the back of that press conference (laughs) (laughs) I saw the shadow you cast over them but the fact is is they're not taking the foot off the gas next year they will be responding as quickly next year because that question was distinctly asked can't remember was it are you bringing the same resources next year and they are. And they are. I say that's great news. So do I. Um, we talk about uh, whether this will happen again, whether we'll have nine or more race winners in the future. We've got a Twitter question, actually, from Parker. Will satellite teams be able to battle for victory in the second year of Michelin tyre development or just factory wins? Is that what we see? And I suppose those tied together, will we see lots of different winners again or will the cream start rising? Cream always starts rising. Once data starts getting sorted out and sifted through, I think that the you know factory team ain't a factory team for no good reason. Mm. At the end of the day, they've got and a factory brain. rider's not a factory But, but how much no... do the, the tyre issue on one? But the, the electronics, how much it's, does that play into satellite teams? Is It's closer than it's ever been, but there is no doubt about it that the factory team have more personnel and more money, more budget to deal with those situations. Exactly. And that, that really does. We're looking at a great grid through three classes now, from Moto3, Moto2, and particularly GP. It's so tight, so close. I mean, when was the last time that you can remember, Jules, where satellite teams could challenge the way they are no, at the it, moment. It's never happened that, that it could happen in the way it's happened this year. Mark VDS has won. Lucio Cicadello's team has won. You know, Tech 3 um, are the one that haven't, unfortunately. And a couple of years ago, you would have said when it they was were the one that were going to yeah. on that bike that yeah that they were next in line for it. Pole hasn't really stepped up, and Bradley's been injured though this year, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's been it's been a difficult it's been a year, tough for, year for Texas. They've got a very interesting year coming their way next year, of course. Yeah, oh, yes. and and that's actually something. Pole and Bradley. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of farewells happening. Uh, this weekend not only in riders either it's after teams are swapped places I, I thought you were about to tell me I've got a job then <laughs> <laughs> Gav, well, Gav, out of all of us you're the one that's always going to have a job <laughs> <laughs> but talking to the people on the move Jorge Lorenzo obviously leaves Yamaha to Ducati Maverick Vinales from Suzuki to Yamaha Bradley Smith from Tech 3 to KTM the same as his teammate Paul Spargro as we've mentioned Andre Iannone goes from Ducati to Suzuki Alessia Spargro from Suzuki to Aprilia not to mention the riders coming up from Moto2 the likes of Folger and Zarco, Sam Lowe's, Alex Rins. But the reason I mention the mechanics is because it's not only riders mm. changing bikes, but you've got all of their techs that they've been used to and brought up with and been associated with and have grown absolutely close to in the way that they deal with each of these technical problems, conundrums they're given every time they go out on them. It's going to be such a, you know, <laughs> nine riders winning this year. I can see it happening again with the way that it's getting shaken up for next year. It could do. That or Honda will get it right and Marcus will win 10 in a row again. I think Either could happen. I think but Marcus that's the beauty gonna, of it. Yeah, I think Marcus is going to win this weekend. He's where my money goes this weekend. I think he's going to go out with a massive great bang this weekend. Or it's going to be in the fence. That could be a massive great bang as well. <laughs> well, let's hear from one of those riders on the move after the race this weekend. Bradley Smith, who uh, has had a difficult season on the Tech 3 Yamaha.
Well, Bradley, the last year of your Yamaha deal comes to an end. Your last weekend here in Valencia. Are you looking forward to the last time out on the black and green bike? I think mean, I'm, you know, just looking forward to, to the end of the season, you know, finally getting here in better shape than I have been at the flyaways and, you know, really looking forward to finishing, you know, the season on a high because, you know, it's been a really difficult year, somewhat with the results and then with the injury as well. So just to be here, be fit and healthy, turn up at the last round, which is always great, you know, the crowd that turns out here and, you know, finish this chapter of the Tech 3 career, you know, on a high. What's going to be a good result this weekend? We know you're still suffering with the injury. We know there's mixed conditions around over the weekend. Have you set yourself anything you know, in terms of a goal and aim for the weekend? I, it's, it's a difficult one, um, but I felt good in the morning warm-up in Sepang. So I started to feel that we're getting more towards the direction, you know, with the leg and coming back to kind of what I would say race fitness because you're never really fully fit as a, as a MotoGP rider. So it'd be nice to come away with a top satellite here, although it's definitely asking a, a little bit much. But uh, why not? It's the last round, you know, I got... a pretty big break after all of this so you know try and focus and get the best result possible but it'd be nice to be uh, top satellite. Is there any part of you thinking about Tuesday thinking about getting on that KTM? Of course there's always going to be that inside the, the back of your head questions from guys like yourself <laughs> and uh, yeah it's, it's certainly you know fantastic you know opportunity quite surreal that it's finally come around because it's been since Qatar yeah. since I signed the contract and announced the news so to finally have traveled the world done 17 races but 18 races very shortly and be moving on to the new adventure is exciting but like I said we've got three important days here and uh, a job to do for, for Hervé and the boys. But will there be any sentimentality any emotion throughout the weekend? I think there will be we've been through you know, a lot in the last six years. I got a uh, picture book from, from one of the girls and it's amazing to see what I have actually done and the good and the bad memories, you know, it's all part of it. So I'm sure it's going to be emotional a little bit along the way, but uh, why not enjoy it? And, you know, like I said, try and get a good result to, to go with all of that. Bradley, wish you all the best for your last weekend uh, with Tech3 Yamaha team and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on Tuesday. That's the plan, cheers. So a Twitter question I'm going to fire at you from Lee Baker. How do you boys feel Jorge Lorenzo will get on with the Duke? It's a motorcycle that clearly needs much more input to steer, stop, turn and the like. We've seen the way Davizioso bandages his hands up like a boxer. Arm pump is something we've heard a lot of riders have struggled with as well. Depends how the tyre is developed for next year from Michelin as to whether that will suit him. Depends what Gigi Delinia's magic he's got up his sleeve to produce a motorcycle with no wings, remember, for Lorenzo to try. And the no-wing situation may fall into his favour in a way that it takes some of the pressure off what the rider's got to put through his body and through the bike to make it go where he wants it to go. To answer your question in, in one phrase, <laughs> actually, I think he's going to find it damn hard. Do you don't think that as a three-time world champion, Julian, perhaps that it's a challenge, it's a motivation, it's something that will bring him back up to the top of his game? As Keith just said, the Ducati is a particular motorcycle with a particular set of characteristics. Jorge rides in a very particular, almost unique way. These two things at the moment don't overlap much, and that's the solution Gigi Dalinia needs to find. It's going to be very interesting. And Yamaha vetoing the main test, that is really, really crucial. They've wiped out that bit of development that Jorge would love to go to Christmas with, you know, mm, yeah. knowing that we're heading in the right direction before next year. He ain't going to know till next year.
Yeah, it just shows how important that is. Jorge Lorenzo ends nine years with Yamaha. 106 podiums in that time, 43 wins, 38 pole positions, and, of course, the three world championships. It's an emotional weekend, I suppose, for Jorge. It's his entire Moto Grand Prix career. He has never ridden anything other than an M1. Valentino Rossi says you need big balls to switch like that. And uh, Jorge Lorenzo put up, stood up, and he's moved across. And I think he should be applauded for yeah. that. And, and, and if I might pick you up again on that, I think Jorge Lorenzo will solve the puzzle. It's just a question of when. He has the talent. There is no doubt mm. about that. He is a great motorcycle racer. And I think that Gigi Delinea will respond to him. Um, Dovi... We questioned whether the right man stayed in Ducati alongside him, of course, or I did, I should say. Julian's just raising his eyes in the <laughs> eye into the sky then because he thinks he's absolutely right because, of course, Dovi will suit Jorge, whereas Ian only wouldn't have. That is really, Keith, my point. You've made it for me. Well, let's have a listen to what Jorge said. I caught up with him earlier on to find out how much of an emotional weekend this will be here in Valencia for him. So, Jorge, your final weekend as a Yamaha rider here in Valencia. Is it going to be an emotional, sentimental weekend for you, or is it all about business as usual? No, no, for sure it's, it's going to be emotional. For sure it's a part of me that is going to be, it's going to be sad, because it's a lot of years with the same bike, the same team, more or less the same people, and, and nine wonderful years, always winning races every year, always fighting for the World Championship, and was a fantastic. They always treat me very well, so I don't have any regret. And I, I will be sad. One part of me will be sad. Another part of me will be excited and with bright future and with motivation. But it's, it's a mix of feelings. And to come to Valencia as well, where you won the World Championship last year, but you've had some bittersweet memories here as well, because I remember races you've been leading and crashed out of. So what's it like to come to a home race to end your career in blue? Well, uh, normally, normally Valencia was not one of my favorite tracks. When I was in 125, I didn't do great races, and in 250, also I have some, some difficult moments. But then in the last years in MotoGP, I found some of the limits or the tricks of the track, and I improved my results, and I, I had a couple of wins. So it's, now it's one of the tracks where I can go faster. So hopefully the weather will be perfect, maybe not very warm, but at least that, that, that is not raining, and the tyres have, have good grip and we can, all, all the riders, in, enjoy this uh, last race of the season. And there's so many people who are looking forward to Tuesday. We're carrying it live on BT Sport. We want to see you on the Ducati for the first time. Is there any part of your mind thinking about Tuesday, you know, before the weekend is finished? Well, I'm a professional and I'm a person who thinks about the present, because I can guarantee you. Obviously, it's impossible not to, to have some little thoughts about the future, and this is normal. I, I would say just 1%, but the, the other 99%, I, I just focus in this race because I want to finish in the best way my stage, my, my career in Yamaha, to give the best present for this family that uh, support me during long period. No? Well, 99% for number 99 seems apt. That seems about perfect, Jorge. I like 99, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Jorge, all the best for your last weekend with Yamaha. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Other things going on this weekend. Danny Pedrosa's back. I suppose that's uh, good to see him. Will he last the weekend? Let me, I have to say, press conferences are wonderful things. They were uh, presented by Dorna with the 25 years of Urt of FIM and Dorna being together. They were presented with these 
paperweight thingies that didn't that didn't look all that nice anyway, but presented with it. <laughs> but the point being, Daddy Pedrosa didn't have the strength to get the wrapping off it. <laughs> Everyone else ripped the wrapping off, and it was like Christmas it was on that front stage. But Danny Pedrosa looked like he was struggling with the wrapping, which don't bode well for Valencia on a Repsol Honda, does it? No, I spoke to him early on about that, and he says there is a lot of pain and... He just doesn't know whether the strength will be there uh, around this track. He says that will uh, strengthen his mentality, his motivation over the weekend. Well, he says the first exit will be the worst, he hopes. Well, he's a tough little so-and-so, yeah. as, we, as we well know. But And he I, confirmed again, didn't he, Jules, that there's no retirement situation here no. at all. He's back next year. Oh, he was quite vehement <laughs> yes. about that as well. And that was obviously him on Twitter as well, denying it mm. about 25 seconds after the rumour went up. Um, at Pramac, we've got to talk about Scott Redding and Danilo Petrucci. Danilo now has 16 points ahead in their mini championship in the battle for the GP17. I spoke to Scott actually earlier on uh, and he says he's resigned himself to the fact he's not going to have it but he also says it could be the case of better the devil you know in that you know the GP16 works. <laughs> something, Hello Hector! <laughs> something I've been involved in so many times. You get given a new factory bike and you think to yourself this is it and then you get on it and think Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> yes. And not just a new factory bike, the third factory bike, if yeah. that makes sense. Lorenzo will have one, Dovi will have one, and the third one will be there. Will it, it, will that, it be that? It, but it won't change that one, will it? You, no. You've got to think that one will be as it arrived. At, well, what, at tends to happen is, what tends to happen is, is the top rider gets the new bits first, doesn't like them, puts them down to the next guy, he tries them, then the third guy gets to try them as well. And then finally they say, OK, they don't work. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Cal Crutcher, in which case they do work. And you wonder why the Repsol boys... But it's, it's good to see Scott actually thinking like that. He obviously could, if he took a, a, a win or a second place or even a podium this week, and he could overhaul Danilo Petrucci. But is it as big as we're making it out to be? It doesn't seem to be to him. I saw him earlier on today as well. Mm. He seems in a very social mood. He seems very relaxed. He's yeah. in the right place in his mind, it seems. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to next year. This was Scott's first year on a Ducati let's not forget but one that had high expectations because he'd Definitely. ridden so well on it before and Ducati like him the good thing is Ducati still have faith in Scott Redding personally I have faith in Scott Redding I think he's a much much better rider than we've seen this year but the team have handled this one factory bike situation really exemplary uh, I yeah, think. totally open above board here's what we're doing and talking about how happy people are with Ducati, you mentioned whether they keep Andrea Iannone. One of the things coming out of the team is how much they feel they've not got a control over Andrea Iannone. That's a feeling as though the team actually don't get on with him. He's crashed out at Sepang again. That's four times this year he's crashed out of a podium position. And all that's gone into why they haven't kept him. Well, it comes down to manufacturers' points as well at the end of the day. It, yes. it matters and they're the in factory. trouble with Suzuki, aren't they? Yeah, they? You've been beating me over there for this for years. <laughs> I mean, the manufacturers thing that I never used to take much notice of. <laughs> Obviously, the factories do. Well, Honda have already taken that. But in terms of the teams, uh, Mobistar Yamaha are ahead by and, 10 and points. And Honda, and especially their main sponsor, Repsol, do not like you losing the team's championship. I've got a small row of stickers on a filing cabinet saying Honda Triple Crown Champions factory stickers. They're not able to print them again, are they? Mm. Unless Danny Pedrosa comes up with something this weekend. Uh, it's been a good battle between Hector Barber and Loris Baz, last time out, in fact, of Intia Ducati teammates. Barbara is actually ahead of Yanone in the championship. It's been a good season, hasn't it, from uh, yeah. Hectic Hector? And if you're looking at Iannone, by the way, Michele Pirro, I think, has still finished more races than Andrea Iannone has. I'll tell you what, he's been good value, and he? Ducati, Ducati's investment in him. There is the value, as you say, Keith, of a good 
test rider who is up to the pace. And will Honda do that? Is that something they've oh. got to do in the off-season? We've seen them. Now they're struggling because this team's World Championship. They've had Hiro Ayama, a world champion, I will point out, but who clearly isn't up to the speed Hasn't anymore. raced for a few years, 35 years old. If they could have imported Nicky Hayden every time, they'd have the triple crown. It's funny, we were talking about this in the in the car on the way here. For a bike that isn't really any good, everybody said, or below par, should we say, to give it a bit more um, faith, <laughs> you know, it's won quite a lot of races this year in lots of different hands, hasn't it? <laughs> so and that Honda obviously conditions. Indeed, so that Honda's not that far away from it. And you've got to say that, I think you said this right at the beginning of this particular show, that Mark Marquez really has been, this is best year. I, although he's done, what, 10 wins in a row previously, this for me, uh, the, the, and I'm in agreement with you, his best year. Well, I did a lovely interview with him earlier on, which you'll be able to see over the weekend on BT Sport, where he said just that. I asked him how bad the Honda was at the start of the year. Was it as bad as we said? Yes, it was as bad <laughs> as we said, which for me was a fascinating answer from him. That's interesting that he would be prepared yeah, to admit that. Exactly. Um, so, or be allowed to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I now he's won the title. He he, yeah, he can say whatever, can't he? Right, another Twitter question, this time from Lewis Wilson. What's the rumour on LCR's bike for next year? Um, obviously, we had a bit of revelation from Lucha Cecchinello and Cal when we were in Sepang that other manufacturers had been there, but... It's going to be a Honda, isn't it? Hundred percent. I can't see it being anything yeah. else. Can you? There, there was twelve months ago. They were they were actively looking at being the Suzuki satellite team, but well, even up to the summer, and yeah. then they confirmed. I know Aprilia were sniffing around uh, as well, but they had had interest at the last rounds. Is it just smoke and mirrors? Is it Cal? Hoping for more factory support, hoping I, I for think, a Sete Gibernau, Marco Melandri style situation. It's definitely the cow factor, isn't it? At the end of the day, he's upped his game. LCR have upped their game. They're in the park at the moment. You know, it's the strongest Lucio must feel going into the winter that he's ever felt. I would suggest that Honda actually need Cal. Mm. No test rider. And Cal's own words, I'm normal which means he's not Mark Marquez he's not and he doesn't weigh 50 kilograms. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to the testing, Cal is actually useful. What he does is relevant. The fact Honda gave him that chassis, the fact Honda took him to HRC after Mategi, all says, doesn't it, Keith, this is a rider now of status within Honda. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he does the bell British scene a whole load of good as well. We are later maturing in the UK, there's no doubt about it. Our Thank riders you. come, yeah, well, no, me and you are past maturity, mate, we're on the downslope. <laughs> but do you the go back into immaturity? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh, you, you do. You've Actually, noticed. you do. You've noticed, how kind. <laughs> I've got a 92-year-old dad, I can prove it. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact being is that that, that, that maturity comes later, that race yeah. Maturity comes later, and Cal, I think, just underlines that massively. 30-watt one now? Yeah, Chas Davis in World Superbike. Oh, again, yeah. doing exactly but the I, same thing. Do you know thing what? I don't think it's just the Brits as well. I had, again, I did another interview with Joe Anzaka, which you'll be able to see throughout the weekend. And You've he been busy, haven't you? At the age of 26. Have I you tried stopped to get today? Us? No, not at all. Not at all. I'll, I'll have a glass of water in a second. Do you know what they say about this time of the year? It's contract time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to up your game. You definitely... But at 26, he said it didn't really... He did, his head didn't mature. He said, I didn't basically know what I was doing until I, mean, I was 25 and winning the World Championship yeah, last we've year. We've become used to kids coming out of yeah. this, especially the Junior World Championship, almost as the fully formed as the end product. But it's not that common. And it only applies to three or four Spaniards and a couple of Italians. Well, France has been in as much trouble as the UK At when least. it comes to riders maturing, riders coming through into the Grand Prix side, I think and, so. And look at in the past, that your Mick Doohan's, you know, coming through at not at 
18, 19, like but coming through into your late 20s. But he had to work his way, obviously, from Australia. Yeah. But the first time I saw him was in 87 in South Africa, riding a production bike. And you realise he was going to be fast. I never realised how fast he was going to be. But anyway, uh, the fact was they had to come the hard way. Yeah. And I think Brits do as well. You look at Cal Crutchlow. He's been around the world but again, on different motorcycles. It, when was the first time we saw Cal? Virgin R6 Cup? That we first noticed him super, super teens. teens. Yeah, yeah, super teens. But I mean, for me, where he made the biggest impression, uh, without making the impression that that we was when he rode the white lines in British Super Sport. I mean, he just he's. I've never held my breath as much as watching Cal. He was always the wrong side of the white line, but mm. but in control. It was phenomenal to see him coming on. But it's, it always happens late. And in the not UK. the fashionable route again for a British rider. Not up through one, two, five, two, fifty. But the only route available. But the only route available to British riders, well, because there are no. Pass me that hobby horse, please. I wish to mount it. Uh, there are no privateer British teams in this paddock that give you a career path. I'll tell you what, folks, you don't want to see this. <laughs> Julian on his hobby horse. It's <laughs> all right. I'm giving it a rest. Off it now, Julian. Come Thank on. You, right. Well, I want to quickly just mention, uh, we talked about, briefly, about Jorge Lorenzo, but about Valentino Rossi as well. Neither of them have won a race for 10 now. Yeah, I think that, that Yamaha have dropped the ball a bit this year again. It's It's been one of those years, really, where the double blow-up in Mugello, one in warm-up, one in uh, the actual race. I mean, Valentino, for me, was on for 25 points there. He looked the best man. He got it all sussed out. And I, again, I just think that they have lost as a team, if I can say. You win as a team, and I think genuinely they have lost as a team this year. Um, what about the KTM? We're finally going to uh, see it out on track. We saw it. Briefly in Austria, I've heard it in pit lane today. It screams, does the thing. Tell you what, looks well. We heard it in Austria, like you say. But yeah. I mean, the thing That's for me... That's a screamer engine, not a big bang. ...is how many people are going across to that team from, from well-known faces in this paddock that are jumping ship and moving across from HRC. I mean, yeah. I spoke to one of the Mark VDS boys. I've, I've just found out that on Sunday night from here, that's it. He's KTM. He's gone. He's across. He's working for them as soon as we get to the test. They're paying good money. There's good management. It's a factory that knows how to win in every class in on- and off-road sports it has entered. So what can we expect from Mika Calio this weekend? He plays down, obviously, what they can do. In fact, he says it will be a bit of a surprise for them because they've tested loads and say, yeah, the time's competitive, but you can't compare it to anything. So what, well, let's, what should we expect let's, let's make realistically? Let's make the analogy with Suzuki, shall we? This time last year, three motors went pop and we all went, oh, dear. I think KTM are in a much better place than that. And somebody told me today that that KTM apparently handles like handles and stops like the Suzuki. Someone said it's a really sweet spot that it's got for handling and stopping. Now, if they've got that right and they've got the kind of power that we believe it has, I don't think it's going to, in answer to the first bit of your question, I don't think it's going to do anything here in Valencia. This is a pretty rotten track to come and bring a bike yeah. like that at with Mika coming out from cold. Yes, exactly. uh, It's going to be a very tough ask, but it'd be interesting. But it's going to be good to watch, but that is a motorbike just because of the factory and the recruitment that Keith alluded to, this is a factor that does not go racing to lose. They mean business, don't they? They usually win everything they enter. They have done off-road for many years, and they have done in Moto3 as well. Um, just uh, on MotoGP, it's the last round of the season. What have been your moments of the season, the defining moments that you could pick out from the year? Cal Crutchlow. It's got to be Cal, both his wins. I mean, he did it in the wet, picking on, as we look, we're looking at a monitor here, folks, that you can't see at home, I'm afraid. <laughs> Just as I looked across, Cal was laying on the floor, picking himself up on all fours. face planted. But, but anyway, that, that's something completely different. I think Cal Crutchlow's ride when he won in the wet, right choice of tyres, 
Um, everybody went, yeah, he chose the right tyres. Yes, he did. He that's brave, experience. He was brave enough to choose and that's, the right that's tyres. That's a proper Grand Prix racer. He won the race. He believed he could. He did. Yeah. Well, but then you... the next time out, that's the bit that crowned he, it. He won that because he was faster than anybody else on the day, full stop. Put Marquez under pressure. Marquez crashed. He won the race. What about your defining moments, Julian? Um, I'll give Keith the Crutchlow ones, obviously. Uh, can I go for something really left field? Of course you can. That's what we like. Uh, Peko Banyaya and Mahindra wins in Grand Prix racing for an Indian motorcycle manufacturer. And I think Peko Banyaya is one of the most talented riders I have seen for an extremely long time. Do you know what mine is? Um, you might not want to know it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> it was Mark Marquez, the save at Bruno, mm. um, saving it on the front there in that final chicane. But the amount of times we saw him have those silly crashes at 50... 40 miles an hour. It, it was saying to me he was wanting to crash the bike almost. He was pushing that Deliberately front, stepping over the line. Deliberately getting there because he couldn't find it in any other way. I thought you were going to say, I was agreeing with you, right up you said Bruno. If you'd have said Assen, the front end save. I'd have gone, yeah, Gav, you're right, I'm wrong. I think we can just all agree that he is a brilliant young man. And at 23 years old, <laughs> it's, he's going to be a formidable person for the rest of... <laughs> as long as he wants to be. Uh, certainly as long as we're around, I reckon, Jules. Um, we've also got a new world champion in Moto2. That was decided with Joan Zarco, of course, looking every bit of champion when he won in Malaysia last time out. We were surprised he was even pushing that hard, weren't we? Well, that, I think that comes to the type of mentality that he has. Mm. If he feels he can, he will. If he feels he can't, he won't. But uh, the first successful defence of Moto2, Tito failed, but Joan's done the job. And he goes to Tech 3 as a two-time and current world champion. And the most successful ever Frenchman in yeah, the history of motorcycle yeah, no racing. You know what? has won two titles. When that stat came up last time out, I, I, I couldn't believe it, even though I couldn't argue with it. I couldn't believe it. I know. I see Christian Saron mm. walking through these TV compounds, walking around, you know, a man that I have huge respect for, and so many Frenchmen are in my mind. Yeah. And yet, Johan Zarco is the most successful. Wow. It, yeah, that is some heritage. And he said at the start of this year... Pedroza and Lorenzo went to Moto Grand Prix as double world champions. I intend to as well. Why not? Has he got MotoGP pedigree? Oh, that is a very, very good question. <laughs> I would say mentality-wise, yes. I think uh, it's going to be where his, the crux of Zarco is in his mind. With Aki Ayo as the owner and team manager of Ayo Motorsports Moto2 team, they have done a brilliant job of bringing on a man who wasn't as consistent as he is now. It puts him in a mental place. Hervé Poncherol, Guy Coulon, they've got to try and do the same thing. I don't think they are the same kind of people. Now, it's, they speak obviously French, so there's an advantage there, I suppose. Although Hervé has never been friends with Johan's manager of old, to well, put it mildly. It, they're going to be even unfriendlier if he doesn't treat Johan the way he needs to be I think the treated. answer to Gav's question, from my view, is I don't know, but I'm going to enjoy watching and finding <laughs> out. I'll go with you. <laughs> and you will see it all on BT Sport, of course. Tom Luty looks odds on to become second place in the championship, but Morbidelli is Does now he? closing in on Reese. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I'd have thought, I'd have thought uh, Morbidelli might be um, shorter odds. Luti's well, got Luti's a ride for it still. Luti's second in the championship. Yeah, yeah, but the point gap's not big. I think it's enough, isn't it? Morbidelli's behind Rin still. I know. Yeah, you see what Morbidelli's okay. been doing recently? Do you, do you want to step outside? Well, no, I just think that <laughs> Tom Luti's Tom Luti as well. I feel a wager coming. I'm a Tom Luti fan, as you yeah. well know. But um, Morbidelli in the last third of the season... I feel like I'm going to referee a couple of heavyweights in here. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> I quite like a, that for Still a hasn't won a race. <laughs>
Maybe he's going Maybe to... Maybe he's uh, saving it for the last one. We've seen it over the years, haven't we? Carol Abraham won here in Moto2. You saw Michele Pirro win here in Moto2. Yeah, this final race has this kind of... A way of throwing something up. So maybe we'll get... Uh, is it an eighth different winner in Moto2 if uh, well. Morbidelli were to come? Yeah, we've had seven already this season, nine in Moto3. <laughs> Just finally <laughs> on Moto2... <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> finally on Moto2, uh, Alex Rins and Sam Lowe's were supposed to be title challengers, weren't they? It's yes. It's gone for them both. It's faded somewhat. Is that <sighs> all about the move to MotoGP? Well, I think Sam obviously keeps an eye on that. I mean, I love Sam. I mean, he's one of them guys that you, you never see him with his head down, do you? He's, he works hard all all the time, never stops working hard. His eye may be slightly off the ball with, with the new deal for next year, perhaps. And frustration still sneaks in on Sam. And I think that's what undoes his track performance sometimes. Well, he just, unlike the fact that Marquez has worked it out, that sometimes you just have to roll it a bit to finish and, and to get your best points and your best position. Sam just wants to win everything all of the time. Yet, Can't blame him for that. I, I can't, but I thought he'd have grown out of it by now. And the, quite frankly, since that magnificent win in Aragon, he's been dreadful. Frustration, I'm afraid, with Sam Lowe's, but um, we still expect. England expects. <laughs> Moving on to Moto3 and uh, South African expectations. Brad Binder, of course, was confirmed champion before he had a nightmare. Uh, in the race. Uh, I mean, we saw a huge crash that he was involved in there and there was something out there on the track when we were in Malaysia. We saw one in Australia with our own John McPhee and actually a couple of others. That, I remember Joan Mir was run over as well at Turn 2 there in Australia. It's been a bit loose in Moto3 towards the end of this. He's more even than normal with nine different winners in, in the year. Do we expect more of the same funny business here in Valencia? Yeah, I would say absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the fact is, is that when everyone's in each other's proximity... As close as it's just you Around only one place. yeah one tiny mistake and here of course you've got all those lefts how many lefts are there before you actually turn right at turn four is it yeah I mean you've got heaps of lefts 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 then a bit of a straight then lefts again and as soon as you go right and ask for the gas whoop, and there's the last corner which is a very very tricky corner it's one of the type of corner as a motorcycle racer I've always found that type of turn you're coming over a hill on the gas as fast as you can and then you've got to transit the weight to the front to be able to get the weight on the front so you can trail break into that last bottom gear left turn onto the front straight i just think that type of turn particularly on a motor gp bike one of the toughest corners horrible aren't they? and you get a pile of motor three bikes on the outside of that corner on the last lap quite frequently because everyone's trying to jam it up the inside of course yeah and bastianini bagnai and avaro all battling for second in the championship as and well. there's the rookie of the rookie, year as yeah. well and the rookie of the year is interesting actually because buliger mir and di gian antonio are vying for it nicolo buliger won the Junior World Championship in that last corner last year when Juan Mir got involved in a bit of a scuffle with Aaron Canet and the likes <laughs> and Bulliger came through. A bit of a scuffle. Yeah, Bulliger came through and won the race and took the championship. So we know there's going to be some funny business there. Who are you, who are your picks for second? Who are your picks for top rookie? <laughs> Bulliger's my man for, for top rookie in I, the end. I would... But he's still hurt. You know, he's, I, he's I fit that, for here, I know, but he's the, still the, hurt. The shocker is Gian Antonio who should not have been up with these boys on the form walk and didn't score a point until Mugello. 
his run of form has been sort of, I, I actually think Bulago is the right answer. But I'm going to have a sporting punt on Jen and Tony. I'm going to go for Mia, actually, because this is Valencia, yeah, Valencia home round. Yeah, and, I can understand that. And yeah. knows this place well and, and lots going for him here. Well, it might be interesting to see. putting money down, boys. But what? <laughs> oh, look at that. Just, I, I tell you, we need a camera That's in here. That's only because you got Bulago. And, uh, that looked and like a the Yorkshire. There. That's the reason for that one. <laughs> I spotted an opportunity, Jules. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, I left my wallet at the hotel. Oh, not again. <laughs> I've got And the arms. wheelbarrow that carries it. <laughs> Why does why does the rookie of the year matter anyway? Well, it matters to them because they are rookies. Does it they matter are to us coming though? up? Yeah, yes, yeah. But spotting young talent is great yeah, in this it? class. Yeah, it does. particularly, I yes. love it. And the rookies now for next year. I mean, we've we've taken well, a massive it. interest in rookies, and and obviously Red Bull rookies is looking mm. good for us next year as well. In yeah, Britain, a couple of Brits uh, in there next season. What about your predictions for 2017 and Moto <laughs> Three champions there? <laughs> Hang on, I've got the wings. I know we out. haven't we haven't even finished this one yet, but. Yeah, with Binder moving on, I'd say a, surely a Bastianini sticking around or an Antonelli moving to, to Io. Yeah, but you see, there. the thing is with Moto3, you can be overtaken by a rookie and a newcomer. Yeah. You've had, um, I mean, Bastianini's had his opportunity. That's exactly the point. How many second chances do you get in motorcycle racing? Usually none. Oh, oh well, well, talking of second chances. Oh, and Romano back Fanati's back exactly. <laughs> You were trying to get in there and I beat you. Yeah. I can't believe it. Rehabilitated and yeah. back with Ongetta. And twice as feisty, I'll bet you. That is that is going to liven things. But RT, I can see it. <laughs> Just wait for him in qualifying, <laughs> not to do the business. Right, well, that's all for next year. Remember, uh, you can download our review podcast following the race here at Valencia. But every single session this weekend for the final round is live, of course, on BT Sport 2. Cheers, Keith. Cheers, Jules. We'll speak to you after the race. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 